You're all a bunch of fucking assholes. You know why? You don't have the guts to be what you want to be. You need people like me so you can point your fucking fingers and say, that's the bad guy. What's good, y'all? It's your boy Stand Easy. Y'all already done. Welcome to a dental edition of Speak Up Podcast. We got my man right here. Introduce yourself. Alex Goss, founder, owner, aesthetic dentistry in Manhattan. Spin Town Practice located at 58th Street, Lexington Avenue. Happy to be here. Appreciate that. Appreciate you for coming. Well, us letting, allowing us to come. Appreciate you for having Yeah, appreciate you having us. That's the word. Yeah. Appreciate you having us. Appreciate you all around. Appreciate you all around. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, man. Um, first and foremost, man, introduce yourself. I mean, will I introduce yourself? How long you been in practice, so? So uh, I graduated from dental school. I went to the University of North Carolina and graduated in 2010. Came up to New York, did a one-year residency program at King's County Hospital in Brooklyn, East Flatbush. And after that, I've been out here working in the city. I was an associate dentist. Being just like working for other dentists for a couple of years, but I branched out on my own in 2015. So I've been working, building a practice since then. I opened this facility in 2018, June of 2018, so just under two years ago. And I'm working up with them, so we're doing So why is the dental cost so expensive? Dental cost so expensive, that's a great question. Dentistry is really expensive. It is really expensive. Um, but you know, healthcare itself is also really expensive. It's just generally expensive all, all across the board. And I, I think there's a few different reasons for that. The first is that, you know, dentistry is not different from any other enterprise that anybody goes into in America. It's, just, it's a capitalistic society, it's a small business. It's a for-profit venture for better or for worse. And so in order for me as a dentist, as a small business owner to remain viable, remain sustainable, I gotta turn a profit. My ends gotta be higher than my outs, right? So my expenses are not just like, you know, 15 minutes of treating you, 20 minutes of seeing you, it's bringing into the equation all of the investment that's happened throughout the years, you know? the hundreds of thousands of dollars it costs to go to dental school, hundreds of thousands of dollars it costs to build this practice, equip this practice with the equipment, the technology, um, staffing it, payroll, any of the things we need to outsource, materials. So the cost of actually seeing people is actually extremely high. Um, and unfortunately, you gotta turn that around and like figure out how to make a living out of that. And, so, and then um, if you and you could turn this around because at the end of the day, this is what he keep the lights on, right? Gotta keep the lights on, right? Yeah, so you gotta make a decision about what's more important: keep the lights on or lower your costs of service. People gonna make a decision to keep the lights on. I think that I mean that there's another. There, that's just one aspect of, of why things are so expensive. I think the why is it so expensive is also, it's a very complicated question because there's a lot of things in play there, right? It's not just like, why is the price point here? 
But why is it here relative to here? Um, why is it, why do I have to absorb all of the costs of this dental uh, treatment as opposed to if I went for medical treatment and you know something was really wrong with me, my medical insurance might cover a lot of that. So part of it is a conversation about why dental insurance is so bad. Part of it is what I was speaking to before, which is just as a small business owner being in tune with making sure that you keep the lights on. And then some of it is also just um, kind of a cultural idea about the cost of dentistry, which I find is an interesting conversation to have with a lot of people across a lot of different walks of life. But then you you would talk to let's for example, but like you would talk to a white dentist, like a white dentist, like you said, when you mentioned about 20, 30 minutes, they just want you in and out. But it's like we as the men of color, we have to go above and beyond because it's like systematically they want us to see us fail. Right. But when it's all said and done, when they see us in a better position than what we wanted and that we already actually accomplished our goal to where we want to be in life, it's a blessing for us. Sure. So we gotta just take it and not let it go. So that sounds like an experience that you're speaking to. Like yeah. that's kind of been your experience with dentists in your past is chop shop kind of in and yeah, out. Yeah, exactly. I'm speaking from experience as well. Get you out. And I'm like, you know, and you know, like I went through a procedure, you know. Mm-hmm. And even like, you know, at the time, I didn't know what was going on. But like I visualized myself like, you know, the um the dental was an associated um, dental. Mm-hmm. She looked at the main dentist, she was like, She's not even going too like to the extreme. I'm Asian and you Haitian as well. Sure. So therefore, you know how they see things, you know, a whole nother light than the most people see. So it's just like, damn, like as you get older, you're like, why you have these premonitions? But then you get older, you're like, you know, because they know the vibes, they know those circumstances behind it. Right. And you know, they fortunate to have that type of power or gift or how you even want to call it. You know what you think about that? I don't I don't think that it I would boil that down to white versus black thing in terms of uh, let's get you in, get you out thing. Yeah. I think that's a conversation about the model of healthcare that you choose to deliver. And that can be a white, black, brown. It's all about basically, that's a dental economics question, which is if you come in and see me, I have to know based on everything you tell me up front, how much I want, am I going to get paid for this appointment? Right. And if the answer to that question is not enough to pay for the cost of delivering that appointment, then most people will choose what you're talking about. Let's make this appointment in 15 minutes and then get another person in here to the next 15 minutes so that over the course of an hour, I can make enough money to justify these reimbursement rates or whatever's being paid for whatever service is being delivered. I agree with you. I think that in, especially that I've seen in New York, because I've worked everywhere in New York, like Brooklyn. The only place I have worked is Staten Island, Bronx, Queens, everywhere. And I have found that in a lot of communities where the patients and the communities look like us, the dentists don't, right? So they're whatever, white, Jewish, Eastern European immigrant, whatever have you. And there's a lot of cultural competency issues there. And that's what you're speaking to, right? Yeah. Which is somebody looking at you 
feeling like you're not going to understand what they're saying anyway. Kind of approaching you from a patriarchal standpoint. I'm going to tell you what you need to do. You're going to do it. We're going to do it. I'm going to tell you what to do. And so you get into a model of healthcare delivery that's not patient-centric. It's more economic-driven, right? right? So it's more like um, volume-driven. We need to see 40 people in here today in order to, to make our nut, right? Or whatever have you. But the dollars and cents are what's driving the equation. Not, man, is Stan going to leave out of here feeling like he got value for his appointment, got treated with respect, treated like an individual and also got some high quality dentistry that solved his problem. And if those aren't the priorities, if those aren't the first questions that are being answered, then you leave with the experience that you got. Cool. So, so what inspired you though? What inspired me to become a dentist? So that's more probably family-based than anything else. Um, both of my parents are dentists. Mm-hmm. So it's like a little legacy mm-hmm. situation there. Keep it in the family. Uh, it, it, I think, I think dentistry is very, it lends itself to the legacy like that because it's such a weird profession. But I got to pose you right there though. I got to pose you right there. We all know how Haitians, they want you to be a doctor. True. They want you to be a lawyer. They want you to be an yeah, engineer. That's so that's what I'm saying though. Right, what right? you want to, what you want to do, this is what you want to do? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, Not because your parents are. This nah, is what you're, 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 you're I, to do? So I grew up in North Carolina, you know, and uh, I always thought people, I was so bad when I was growing up. My parents wouldn't let me do anything after school except for coming to the office and keep keep an eye on me, right? So I started working in a dental office when I was like nine, ten years old. Started picking up trash. Then I was like cleaning dental instruments, things, cleaning rooms. So I've like literally held every job you can have in a dental office. But one thing that did for me was it exposed me to all the different sides of dentistry that there are. You know, my parents definitely that that experience serves as inspiration about service to the community. My parents were basically the only black dentists in downtown Wilmington, North Carolina, which is where I'm from. So like, that's where black people in Wilmington would come get their dental care. See, so, it should be more expanded. You know what I'm saying? Right. It should be more expanded, so you could be like uh, you could serve all of North Carolina. Right. And, and that man, so they still in North Carolina currently? No, my, my, my dad my dad still is down there. My mom is up here. She teaches at NYU. Oh, that's dope. Congress. Congrats, congrats. congrats. So, um, congrats. But yeah, so they influence all of us. Like my older brother is also a dentist. Um, People within the family. So it's just something that's legacy driven. I think But it's something what you it's, but it's still something with that which would want you to do. Absolutely. I think that uh dentistry so for for me one of the things that was most important when looking for something to do with my life, career-wise, was I needed something where I knew I was going to have a, a high degree of autonomy because I don't like people telling me what to do. My God. I got to give you a power on that one. I'm going to give you a power on that one. I'm going to give you a power on that one, bro. So I needed that. I, I always was into the sciences, so I really wanted something where it was like still in that vein. But also something where you have some creativity where you could kind of influence the thing you did on a day-to-day basis. So I always tell people my, my plan B, if I didn't get into dental school, was to go to culinary school. Right? Because cooking is kind of a lot of the same things, right? You're mixing a lot of science in terms of 
measurements, ratios, heat, temperature, etc. With the creativity, the, the artistry of putting some food in front of you, a plate in front of you that makes you excited to eat it, makes it an experience to 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 enjoy it, things like that. And, and I think this a lot of the same things are true of dentistry. A lot of people come to the dentist either because they're having some sort of problem, like my tooth hurts, or they want to change something about their smile. Sometimes those problems are combined, but you have an, a unique opportunity to combine both creativity and science into delivery of what you do on a day-to-day basis. Even when it's the things that people will never see. You know, you come in here for some filling on some tooth that nobody will ever see, but I, I see it. And I have an opportunity to basically be a mini sculptor in your mouth, doing whatever I do for an hour to, to, to create something. So that's, cool. that's kind of what, what I was looking for out of it. Sweet dope. Um, yeah. So yeah, we'll be right back. Will you still do cooking? Absolutely, man. Um, that's that's my like labor of love. So I work here six days a week, just in case anybody's not wondering. Monday through Friday, some Saturdays, all Saturdays. But Sunday is my day off. And my friend circle knows now, like, don't even call me, right? So, like, I have my day where I need to rest, rebuild, re-energize, and I do that with cooking project, like, every Sunday. Like, like yesterday, I just, like, roasted pork shoulder for, like, eight hours in this, like, big thing. So, I'm always doing, like, a big cooking project, learning how to cook a little bit. And I told myself that, you know, at some point in time, I'm going to retire and open up a restaurant on some beach in around the world and cook fish for them. Most people are shocked. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> That's yeah. when I know I made it. I'm cooking fish for them. <laughs> so you like making fish? Love making fish. I grew up I grew up in Wilmington, North Carolina, which is a coastal town. It's like southeastern North Carolina. And uh so seafood always been huge for me. So mm. grew up a little water. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um so what's the best way to have a healthy smile? Healthy, best way to beautiful have a, smile. Best way to have a healthy slash beautiful smile. Those those two things may not be exactly the same thing, but kind of are the same thing. And what I mean by that is healthy means, you know, you think about things like cavity-free, no bleeding gums, no pain, stuff like that. But there's been a lot of research that's been done about the mental health that's associated with how you look at yourself in the mirror, what you think about yourself when you see the reflection, and what society thinks about you when they look at you as well when you're smiling. So there's a concept out there that healthiness of your smile may actually be about the appearance of it. Um, and that's things about are your teeth are your teeth straight? That's like the braces question. You have good alignment of your teeth. You have discolored teeth. You have a lot of like cavities in your teeth. Um, have white teeth. The, the proportions of your teeth look like what we would expect to see in nature. And I say all that to say because the research goes on to tell you that the way people perceive you when they look at your teeth has shown how they would feel about giving you a job, going out on another date with you, thinking if you're smart, thinking if you're successful, thinking if you're a good person, 
people will formulate opinions about you based on your, smile. your teeth look. That's a fact. Is that how you smile? How you yeah. smile? Yeah. Yeah. Based on those perceptions that you just mentioned, that's a fact. And even more, you formulate those same opinions about yourself. So there's a big mental health component to it that I think is underappreciated because people will often come in here and say, almost feel guilty about telling you that they don't like the way the teeth look. Because I think there's like a concept of vanity associated with it. They feel like they shouldn't be unhappy with their they teeth. They have low self-esteem. like the way they look. Um, and there's nothing wrong with saying, you know, I want my teeth to look better. Hey. So I think there's a, a lot to do with that. So to answer your question, that's a long-winded way of getting around to it. I mean, you got to take care of yourself is number one, right? So good old hygiene routine, like making sure you're brushing and flossing your teeth on a regular basis, daily, twice daily. Um, making sure that you're going in for some professional visits, um, you know, twice a year at least, to get your checkups, get your professional cleanings, because things start to accumulate on your teeth that you can't remove at home. So you need to get into the dentist to make sure that they're getting those deposits off and getting good teeth out, please don't help. But also just making sure that um, the appearance of the smile is in alignment with what makes you feel good about yourself. Some people can look at themselves and have teeth that we wouldn't consider to be beautiful, but that doesn't matter to them. It doesn't affect their mental health. And those people, God bless them, you know? But then there are also the other people who look at them and it does affect their mental health. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, we just need to be able to help them and not make them feel like they're vain or, you know, buying into something that's that's wrong for trying to make their teeth look better because they want to feel better about themselves. It's, it's like mental health, which is something I think we're beginning to get better. Oh, no, yeah, absolutely. I mean, just seeing our brothers and sisters just get caught up into that. You know what I'm saying? That's really a blessing. There's more of our brothers and sisters so broaden people's horizons out there. You know what I'm saying? It's really cool. Like, man, being a brother for being in the dentistry, that's just... That's how I put it up. Yo, yeah, yo, shouts to Alex Goss, man. Yo, let me tell you, man. Yo, yeah, he does wonders, man. So, but, you know, we're, we're, we're big on a wellness concept here at the practice, which is to be very proactive at being healthy. Okay. So as opposed to saying, oh, there's something wrong, I need to go to the doctor. I'm sick, I need to go to the doctor. My tooth hurts, I need to go to the dentist. My stomach hurts, I need to go to the internist. That's what we would call a reparative model, right? Which is, I'm broke, doctor fix me. There's the other idea, which is to say, I'm healthy, I want to stay healthy, I want to be healthy. And so you come and make sure that you are proactive about being healthy. It means nothing's wrong with me. I'm going to the doctor to make sure they clean this up so nothing does go wrong with me. And that's kind of why we're so attuned into mental health concepts, stress reduction techniques. I mean, all of these things are, they're completely connected, right? There's a, a, a clearly established connection between gum disease and heart disease, for example. A lot of people don't know that but that's all inflammatory diseases. There's a big connection between being stressed out and grinding your teeth, right? I ain't gonna lie, I used to do that a lot when I was younger. Right, grind your teeth, right? Oh my God. Yeah, I, 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 I grind in my sleep. Grinding your sleep, right? Yeah. Like, it's better. Right. Uh, 
Make it jump up like that. Like, that's it's so crazy. I used to do that a lot. And then, you know, the Haitian, they get, she's what you do in translation. Stop grinding your teeth. <laughs> <laughs> they used to tell me that shit all the time. I'm like, yo, everybody that knows me growing up. And then, like, I stopped now. But, like, here on out, I would do it. Right. But compared to when I was younger, I used to do that, like, all the time. I used to get on people's nose with that shit. They're like, yo. But then now as I get older, I, I, I don't do that as much. Right. So, you have... Basically adapted is basically what's happening. There was something that was making you grind your teeth. You adapted to it, and now you feel like you're okay. But what if I told you the fact that you can make your jaw do that makes it more likely you're going to have a big problem in your jaw joint 30 years from now? Would you be more inclined to do something that's very non-invasive to prevent that occurrence 30 years from now? Yeah. Or would you rather wait 30 years from now until your jaw breaks so no. your joint flares up, and now you have big problems on your end. That's the difference between being reparative and pursuing wellness concepts. Yeah, that's, that's what we're going for. Right now. It's dope. That's really dope. And you can Exactly. Exactly. That's cool. That's cool. Makes sense. So what is the state? And also, it's like it gets people invested in their own wellness. It gets people invested in their own well-being, right? So you know, there's we're, we're trained to be able to identify problems and tell you what the solutions are. You know, if you have a cavity, you need more filling. Um, but, you know, to all too often we get people in the chair and we're trying to be good stewards of their treatment. You know, Stan, you got an XYZ problem. Here are your options, what you want to do? Uh, Dr. Gossman, you, you tell me what I need to do. I'm just, you tell me what I, I'm not the doctor here, right? So I hear that comment, I hear that comment all the time. And that's abdicating responsibility for your own well build, own well being. Somebody who might not even care about you, right? That's the people that you've had the experience with, right? You're gonna go into this person that you already don't feel like cares about you, values you as a person, and tell them you're the doctor. You you tell me what I need to do. That's a that's a contradiction if you think about it, paradoxing if you think about it, right? So. If instead your doctor came and you said, Stan, you are the caretaker of your own health, you need to understand all of these things, and therefore you can make better decisions about what to do. It's a better model for you to be like little one. Basically trying to prevent something that's gonna happen in the near future. You pre-planning, basically. You know what I'm saying? Especially if you know what's the what's the you know the circumstances behind it. Right. You borrow borrow a phrase from my finance bro, risk management is what we're about. Absolutely. So, you know, candy is a way, is an easy way to communicate what the problem was. And our, our understanding of it has improved over the years as dentists. Um, but basically, candy, when you think candy, you think sugar, right? So everybody knows that sugar causes cavities, but nutritionally speaking, sugar is so much more than just candy, right? Sugar is juice. Sugar is simple sugars, that's your carbohydrate. So biochemistry speaking, biochemically speaking, uh, carbohydrate and sugar are the same thing. So anything that you think of as a carbohydrate, especially your processed carbohydrates, your potato chips, your bread, things like that. If you're eating a lot of processed carbohydrates, snacking a lot, 
juices, putting sugar onto the tea. These are the things that can increase your risk for cavities. And the reason for that is that the, the process that causes cavities, the bacteria that are in all of our mouths that can be really destructive to the, to the health of the tea, feed on these sugars. It's a food source for them. So plaque, which accumulates on your teeth, is basically a bacterial colony. Now you've introduced a food source into this bacterial colony and allowed it to propagate itself. Yeah. Every time you eat or drink anything, you're changing the pH chemistry inside of your mouth, becoming, which also exacerbates the problem, makes the problem happen faster. So it's, it's, it's more about making good nutritional choices, but also it's about once you make whatever dietary choice you, once you make, you have to do the appropriate things to get all of that crud out of your mouth so that you're protected, right? So I can sit here and eat candy all day long, eat it all day long. But if I go brush all of that sugar off my teeth, there's no food source for the bacteria to cause the cavities, right? So it's it's a kind of a dual, dual thing. But I think that juice, like orange juice, cranberry juice, pineapple yeah. juice, are like, that's a, a real, a real culprit, sodas of course, sodas are really bad. And then snacking on the stuff that you find in the bodega, you know, candy bars. Food snacks, what about food snacks? Fruit snacks, terrible. Uh, that's, just, that's, just pure, that's just pure shit. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I gotta brush my teeth. Word. <laughs> Better brush some shits twice tonight and once on tomorrow morning. <laughs> But it's yeah. like, a lot of things can be in play. So um, it's it's a lot. It's a, it's a it's a two sided thing. It's like choosing good things to eat, and then you can protect against having to like constantly brushing your teeth, or you can do whatever you want and just kind of make sure that you're doing right. I was talking to this girl, and I want you to ask me this. I was talking to this girl. She was pretty and everything, so but then she is. She's, she has some yellow things in between her teeth. What the hell is that? I'm not trying to be funny, but it's the fact that, like, you know, I'm not trying to be funny. I'm just like, yo, like, she cute and everything, but when she was talking, and I know I need to work on my teeth too. So that's what I was mentioning before, which was that you accumulate things on your teeth that you cannot remove at home. Right. And you have to get them professionally removed. So if you let plaques sit on your teeth long enough, it will harden. Well, that's what it's called. Okay. Yeah, it will, it will harden into tartar. That's what they call it. Not toothpaste commercial. They call it calculus. I don't know why there's two words exist, but whatever. But basically, it's a plaque that's allowed to sit on the surface of your tooth for an extended period of time. Um, the minerals from your saliva begins to deposit onto it, and it hardens and turns into a, like a rock-like substance. And you can't brush that off. You can't floss that off. You got to come into the dentist and like scrape it off your teeth. Right. How much is that? So that should be, as long as it's within reason, that's just part of our regular preventive cleaning here. Okay. Once it gets to a certain level, um, or progress to a certain extent, then to clean your teeth becomes more therapeutic than it does preventive, right? You're treating a problem more so than preventing it. And then now the calculus has changed. (laughs) 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 Word. A lot of these people in these communities have government or subsidized insurance. These insurance plans that reimburse the doctors at very low rates, and that's a public policy conversation of 
you know, may not be on the table tonight, but um, they start factoring in those things when seeing Yago come sit in a chair, like I'm gonna get paid X amount of dollars for this, like, like why would I treat him like anything beyond the $75, right? Mm -hmm. And so if you start thinking like that, that's that's not like looking at Yago, you come sit in my chair, I'm like, here's a young man who came in here trying to get right. Right. My job is to help him get right. You know, that's a cultural competency issue, right? The economic thing is what we've been talking about. You know, people have money or don't have money to spend on the dental care they need. Their insurance might tell them, Stan, you got a toothache on this tooth. You got this insurance. The insurance say, I'll pay for you to get it extracted, but I don't want to pay for you to fix it. Now you got to make a decision and the guy who wants you out of his chair in 15 minutes about do you want to do the thing that your insurance will pay for and then you don't have a tooth or that it won't pay for, you got to come out of pocket. But you guaranteed dollars right. but you still got a tooth. Now you guaranteed that, yeah. Right? You got to try to make that decision. Right. And nobody's helping guide you through the process. Mm. So, and then there's the thing we're talking about, people trying to make sure that they can keep the lights on. So that's also a real thing, you know, and I'm not going to minimize that. Uh, somebody, you know, even even in these communities, like their equipment doesn't cost any less than my equipment does. They're selling, they're buying it from the same place. People who are building the office, the contractors aren't charging them no less because they're out there on Utica, right? <laughs> still charge, still got to build the office, you know, it's charging them the same thing. So two years from now, 15 years from now, whatever. Like, what's your long-term goal? You see yourself still building up your head, open up other offices? Or? I would love to open up other offices. Uh, one of the things that really is my vision for my career and what I really try to, one of the biggest reasons why I wanted to open this practice right here was to figure out a model to provide, to provide dentistry so efficiently that I can take it and, and move it to Jamaica, to wherever your guy's office is, and provide the same level of dentistry and not take that loss that I was just explaining to mm. right? Because if I can iron down to the second how much it costs me to move you from point A to point B to point C in this practice while maintaining the standard of care, then you could take that model into Jamaica and say, it doesn't matter what kind of insurance you got, how much money you got, et cetera, et cetera. I can provide this service for you at X amount of dollars because I know it's going to take you this much time down to the second to provide you with the level of dentistry that you need or that I can stand behind, right? And that's what the goal is here. But you can't figure that out losing money. Can't figure that out being broke, right? It's gonna be a little difficult. It's just, it's just not, it's just not possible. That's so fast. So you got to figure out where you trying to, you know, make some compromises. Let's <laughs> be realistic here. I know I'm chasing the bag, but I'm being realistic on what I'm getting myself into at the same time and what kind of, what kind of services I'm providing to the people. Right. So, because, because my thing is this, I agree with. Anybody who says that healthcare is too expensive. I'm a little biased because I'm a healthcare provider, but I, I would agree wholeheartedly with that. Healthcare is too expensive. 
and it doesn't make any sense. It's just not, it's not aligned with capitalism, right? This is it's a conflict of interest at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of like all this stuff swirling around politics and, you know, healthcare reform, et cetera, et cetera. But at the end of the day, what needs to happen is they're not going to get rid of capitalism in America. That's like getting rid of America, right? So what needs to happen is that we need to figure out a way to deliver healthcare in a way that works for everybody and not take a loss on it, okay? Because everybody's got to feel good at the end of the day. Like, you need to leave here smiling, and so do I. Mm-hmm. You know, so <laughs> we got to figure out what that model yeah, that's is. Not gonna work. <laughs> Alex! <laughs> We got to figure out what that model is. And to me, it's about efficiency, systems, building systems, protocols, and a model of, of delivering dentistry that makes it so that all of these variables about reimbursements and charges and payments, and it, it, becomes, it becomes irrelevant. You know that it's like, you have to look at you and like, how much money you got in your pocket? You can answer that. Honestly, and I can say, I got you. Get a chair. And I'm not, like, not worried about, and you're not worried about what you're going to get. You're not worried about looking like a number. You're not worried about somebody treating you like a piece of shit. Right? That's kind of, that's what the goal is for 10, 15 years from now. So you can see another aesthetic dentistry in Manhattan, aesthetic dentistry in Brooklyn, aesthetic dentistry in the Bronx, aesthetic dentistry in Wilmington, North Carolina. And it just be a, a, a model. It's not even necessarily a franchise, but like a model of being able to plug the systems into place so that you know that there's a way for people who aren't filthy rich to be able to get filthy rich dentistry. And that's mm-hmm. kind of the You see yourself going back overseas in other countries in the future? Uh, I don't know. I mean, like when I retire and find myself on some beach in Africa, <laughs> that's what I said. Like <laughs> beautiful African woman surrounding you, right? Yeah, that's that's many moons in my future. So uh, I love dentistry. I love dealing with people, stressful as they are, uh, seeing new people every day, talking to new people, figuring out where they came from. Especially in New York, people from all over the place coming in with different stories, and I love being able to solve problems. I love being able to, to do what I was saying, get lost in the sauce, doing films, and, and, and find some beauty in it. That's good. That's good. good. All that kind of stuff. So I don't, I don't get tired of the dentistry. Dentistry is the fun part. Plus, it's like you see people grow up. Like, see people grow up. Yeah. So it's like you, you kind of like family after a while. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I love that. So. Especially if you do a damn good job on their teeth. Who he is. Treat them right. You know? That's it. Treat them right. Yeah, shout out to my cousin. You know, he got it done by you not too long ago. Hopefully, he's doing all right. Yeah, <laughs> hopefully, he's doing all right. <laughs> his bald headed ass on the side. Nobody can see you, but you know, it's my cousin right here. <laughs> how, how would you say you think about the cost of dentistry? You feel like dentistry is. Hell yeah! Is, yeah. Not even my insurance to provide it. You know what I'm saying? Unless if it's full medical or full dental, but then still, there's still a, a hidden cost you have to pay. But do you feel like the cause, like, say you came in here and was like, I got a feeling, I mean, I got a cavity, I need a feeling. And I said, okay, it's going to cost you $500. Okay. 
Now, would your response to that be like, that's too expensive for a filling? Or would that be like, I just can't afford a filling here, but I think it's probably better? I would say the second option, I just can't afford for I would say that I'll pay for it if there's a payment plan. So but if there's no payment plan, then it's like, if, it's the, if, if this is what I need to do to keep my teeth being alive in my mouth, then that's not how I don't have to pay for it. I find that I, I have a lot of conversations with people who start to, I start to get this sense that the way they think about dentistry is like, it's like the way they think about going to the barber. And no, no disrespect to the barber. Shouts to the barbers. Get that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm a barber, so I get that. Yeah, you know what I mean? So yeah. it's like, but people look at you and like, oh, this shouldn't cost more than yeah. this, right? And I'm always like, well, what's the what's the mental calculus that, that led you to that, right? Because I feel like dentistry, for better or for worse, we've separated ourselves from medicine. Like nobody thinks about dentists and physicians in the, in the same sentence. Um, but think about what happened. If you can't hold your tooth, you came in here to fix it, right? But say you have that same hole in your leg, mm. right? You got a hole in your leg and, you're, and your doctor said you got some sort of parasite in your leg that's eating a hole in it. And I'm gonna sit you down, I'm gonna drill a hole in your leg I'm going to clean out all that parasite and infection. I'm going to fix it so it's good as new. And you can walk on it like nothing ever happened. And it's going to cost you $500. Would you be like, oh, hell no. That's way too expensive. <laughs> <laughs> that's the conversation that we get like yeah. all, the time, all the time. So it's just like, I don't know where we as dentists went wrong. We've like, do you think like ourselves some sort of way? Do you yeah. think the average dentist cost, like you know, it increased through the years? Dental dental cost to the patient, or like how much it costs for us to do the dentistry? All everything above everything all the every, every okay. So the dent so the the dentistry has increased in cost. The fees have increased. Everything is has increased. I mean, I mean, a Coca Cola used to cost ten cents back in the day, right? So the same thing is true of dentistry. The thing that hasn't changed is dental insurance. Mm. So I was reading on this dental insurance in like 1979 or 1982 or something like that would provide you with $1,500 in dental insurance money per year. Now we're talking about a time where Coca-Cola was probably still cost you a quarter. In 2020, 40 years later, you come in here with a dental insurance plan that will provide you with $1,500 in home fees for the cost of the year. It has remained completely flat. Everything else has increased in cost, and they have shifted that burden to you, the patient. Why has that happened? There's, there's some interest. I think dentists are a lot responsible for it. I also think that insurance companies are, are very responsible for it. I think the political system is very much responsible for it. 
But at the end of the day, nobody's thinking about that on the two pegs. They just know I'm gonna have fifteen million dollars to fix it. Hmm. So we as dentists have to do better about trying to navigate the cost of getting dental treatment done. So you know, for, for us here, I always try to take that out. I mean, the saying that I have with my patients is that I never want money to be the reason you don't get some dental treatment that you want or that you need. Okay, the money should not be the So like, if we got to put you on a payment plan, that's fine. We have a sliding fee scale. You want to be transparent with us about how much money you make over the course of the year. We'll be transparent with you about how cheap that dentistry can get for you. Mm. Right? So that's just, in my opinion, a way to build a relationship with somebody and to be true to that value, which is that if you are serious about taking care of yourself, being proactive about your health, wellness concept, we're going to make it work for you. We want people like that in the practice. Because people like that are serious. They're not going to welch on you. Sometimes they might not make the payment because they ain't got it. But they're going to circle back with you next month. My bad. You know, it's just like when you can't afford to pay whatever bill. I mean, like, we've all been there, right? I'm guessing. I've been there. I'll speak for myself. Yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you something. I've been there too. I'll speak for myself. The struggle is real. The struggle is real. I've been there before too. The struggle is real. So I told you, you should always say that. You should always say speaking for myself, right? So speaking for myself, <laughs> I've, been, I've been in a position where you know you can't pay the bill, and if you call somebody up and say, "Listen, you know, we'll tighten and settle back with you next week," they're usually like, "Cool," right? And that's the way that we try to approach it here: is that if you try coming us in good faith. I want to take care of myself looking for this type of dentistry, X, Y, and Z, then we'll, we'll figure out a way to make it work for you. Yeah. Patience. Keeps me, keeps me up at night. Well, man, that's, that's, I could go on for a long time on that one. So I'll try, I'll try to be concise. You know, patient wise, um, I, I take my job and my responsibilities to my patients very, very seriously. So if you entrust me with your care, then that's what keeps me up at night. Thinking about what what we're doing with you tomorrow, what we just did with you yesterday, how are you doing, what's your recovery, did I do right by you? You know, healthcare is delivered by people and people are not infallible creatures. So, Everybody, dentists, whatever, has had days where filming didn't come out as well as they wanted it to. Treatment didn't go right. Maybe someone didn't get treated with the respect that they deserve. These are all things. So the patient, the patient experience, clinically and customer service, always keeps me up at night. Then there's the administrative stuff of, of running a, of running a business. That one is keeps me up more than it should. And more than I wanted to because, you know, we should want my mental energy to be completely devoted to treating people, not thinking about, you know, did I pay the right amount of payroll tax yesterday or am I in compliance with my certifications? Did I, you know, chuck all these legal bonds? You know, it's like a lot of red tape running the business, especially here in New York. And, you know, keeping your books, X, Y, Z. It's just, it's just a lot. And so that keeps me up more than I like because that's money stress. 
He's got paid employees and everything. Paid employees, and, and that's a that's a commitment to to my team. The same way I expect that commitment from them, right? You show up here, you work hard, like you don't have to worry if that paycheck's coming in, in, in the bank account. That's my commitment to you, right? So make good on that commitment. Sometimes you know, be up at night. I'm going to make good on that commitment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's just, yeah, that's just reality. It's a small business, though. It's reality. It's a small business. It's all good. It's labor of love. It's all good. All right, cool. Um, well, again, um, what's your um, the main concern? The main concern for, for dentistry moving forward is, um, it's, it's, I think, what we were speaking to earlier, just thinking about accessibility to care. I think that the biggest problem that we're going to have or that we are having, we are having this crisis right now, is that a large majority of people in this country need healthcare for a lot of reasons that aren't, that are, are, are tough to get into, but they need healthcare and cannot afford it. Um, and nobody really seems to be coming up with real solutions to how to make that happen. It seems to be a conversation about how to protect the different interests that are in play. And even the solutions that are like the Medicare for all, healthcare for all, whatever have you solutions, um, I find to be a little too reductive, a little too simplistic. And they're not taking into account that this is a, it's an ecosystem. Healthcare is an ecosystem. And in order for any ecosystem to be successful, all the different parts of it have to be healthy. Patients have to be healthy, doctors have to be healthy, the business side of things has to be healthy. And we can't demonize one part of it. We can't poison the world with one part of the ecosystem in the interest of propping up another or scoring political victory or something of that nature. So what we have to do is figure out and, and my idea is what I said before, like, let's figure out how we can deliver healthcare in a way that works and that I don't have to lose sleep about how much money it costs me. You don't have to lose sleep about the quality of the care that you got. And then we all win. You know, the only people who might be on the outside looking at are the insurance companies, but I don't think anybody likes insurance companies. Nah. <laughs> They'd be blowing up your phone crazy, man. Well, you know, like they're 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 a for profit business like anyone else, right? But they're that's but what they're, numbers matter. They're yeah, <laughs> their business is taking your money against a potential loss. And so when that loss comes to play, their job is to try to not pay. So that's their business model. And systematically, it's set up that way, which is really fucked up. Yeah. Oh my god, you gotta do something about it, though. Man. But that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, it's gotta be a, it's gotta be a comprehensive idea. But I, I think that if the solution comes between patients and doctors, value driven treatment, value based treatment plans, value value based payments, right? So like, it's another idea. So you like the tooth hurt. I told you it'll cost you not $500 to fix your tooth, it'll cost you $1,500 and your tooth will be fixed for the rest of your life. 
It's like a different kind of concept of thinking about things, right? Instead of it's going to cost you five hundred dollars if you come back six months from now, it's going to cost you another five hundred dollars if you come back two years from now and you need something really big to do. That's going to cost you five thousand dollars, right? So what if somebody told you, "I'll fix that tooth for you for fifteen hundred dollars, and you'll never have to worry about it again." Yeah, it's like a paradigm shift. So once we can start thinking about things differently, making solutions that work well for patients, that work well for doctors, because at that point in time, I have to be invested in treating you right. Yeah. I have to be invested in treating you right. Otherwise, I'm going to lose a ton of money. If I do that, treat you right, I can make some money, and you feel good about it. I'll never have to worry about this again. That's a different way of thinking about it. So that's kind of where I would think things could go. Okay. I got a crazy question. So basically, can candy, I mean, of course, candy cause cavities. Is that the only factor that causes cavities? Or there's all the ways that you could cause cavities besides candy? So the way that you can cause cavities. So, so a cavity is a symptom. It's not the disease. The disease itself is called caries. It's called mm. dental caries. And dental caries is a process that's, that's mediated by this biofilm that starts to accumulate on your teeth that is a byproduct of food debris, plaque, and the bacteria that all of us have inside of our mouth. So your mouth is full of bacteria, some of it healthy, some of it not. Um, but the process that causes cavities, which is caries, happens like this. Anytime you eat, the pH levels in your mouth plummet. So it gets, it gets very acidic inside of your mouth. And that acidity, that pH balance, causes the enamel on your tooth to basically dissolve a little bit. Now, what typically happens is your saliva, which is very basic, comes in and raises or elevates the pH level back to a normal or safe, safe level. But if you have a lot of food substrate, like plaque, king, the sugars that you're talking about in your mouth, what happens is that enamel is dissolved is that the bacteria begin to be able to cause acid destruction of the enamel matrix of your tooth. Mm. And that's really what's called, we've simplified it over the years to be like candy causes cavities or that, you know, if you go to the pediatric dentist, it's like sugar bugs eat your teeth and things of that nature. And that's basically what's happening. The, 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 the bacteria contribute to the acidity, right? It's a metabolic thing at, at this point in time. So they eat these sugars that are on your teeth, create this uh, metabolic acid, and that dissolves the tooth more. So now you get a hole in your tooth is basically the end point. So the point where you have a cavity in your tooth, which is actually a hole in your tooth, the process is so far gone that you don't have any options left, right? The, the process starts by just like a little little bit of loss of enamel, a little bit of loss of calcium in the enamel of your tooth, and allowed to not be able to rectify itself. It just keeps penetrating, 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 to the point of no return, and then you can't, you gotta come in and get, get, get the fuck. This is like a complicated process, it's very difficult to explain in a very like two sentence answer, but that's why a lot of, of neglect more so causes the cavities. That's why I answered the question like that before, which is that you eat candy all day, really, as long as you brush your teeth, mm-hmm. brush with some fluoride afterwards, 
I mean, you probably would be fine. It's a, it's a, it's a two-sided thing. Like, what are you eating? But also, how are you cleaning your teeth afterwards? Right. What would you tell you? What would you tell your eighteen-year-old self? What would I tell my eighteen-year-old self? Wake up and go to class. <laughs> 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 Wake up and go to dances here. It's just like none. Ooh, <laughs> he literally damn. told me none. Wow. So um, that's that's what I would, that's what I would tell myself. Just you know. You saw that uh, that that Kobe quote after he passed, where he was saying, "If I could go back in time, what would I change?" And uh, like I wouldn't do that because then you would miss out on right the experiences that made you who you so are, who you are today. Yeah, and so I I that, I felt that hardcore because taking those lumps let me know like why responsibility was so important being responsible, being mature, showing up, things of that nature. Um, but I would never have learned that lesson without, you know, just completely messing up and yeah, falling apart to begin with. But, I mean, college is fun. I wouldn't change anything about it. I just, like, I wish that I might have made some better grades at the beginning to make getting into dental school or any of those things a little bit easier. I might put some scholarships at play in play and, and things of that nature because you could still have fun you know like college at the end of the day was was interesting once i figured it figured out the rhythm it's like man you have all this time you know you spend your entire childhood going to school from like 7 30 in the morning like four o'clock in the afternoon or something yeah. like that and in college you're in class for like two three hours a day that's it that's it that's it mm-hmm. and the rest of your time is your own so like you can get it done and still do whatever you want, but like somebody's gotta right. lead you to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You gotta be able to figure it out. Yeah, yeah. Well, so, um, make mention of something earlier. Uh, it'd be, it'd be, it's challenging, but it'd be, um, it'd be nice to have more, you know, dentists of color. Mm-hmm. So, uh, in the industry, because that would help out. The inner city deal with you know problems that you know they've been dealing with, right? Right. Um, how about women? Uh, how, how many women dentists do you see? Period. And how many women of color? So I think that um, they're all things that can be improved. They're definitely all things that can be improved. I think that when I was in dental school, my class was about half and half, women to men. The problem, more so back in the day, was the sexism that they would have to face in the educational space, the same way that I was discussing racism that you might have to face in the educational space. And there's nothing that can really be said about how that can affect your psychology moving out into the world. Right, so like if you get treated a certain way as you're being trained to do the thing you're going to do for the rest of your life, you get treated a certain way, it's going to make you a certain way when you get out to the world. So, I think the biggest problem, I think that I think that the schools are doing a very good job now of making sure that there's gender balance in the admissions process, meaning are women equally reflected in the class size as men. But I think that they have to be much more conscious of how they are protecting and treating these women 
when they are in these spaces, um, you know, dealing with sexism from faculty, dealing with not being treated like they should be there from the people who are supposed to be training them, uh, being dismissed by their faculty. I mean, once you add the second qualifier, women of color, you know, now they're dealing with two of those bricks. Yeah. And that's that's an even even steeper hill to climb. So like, part of it is like we gotta get some we gotta get some representation in the in the dental faculty spaces. Okay. Which is which is a tougher that's a tougher thing to do. Um for a lot of different reasons. You know, like academia is it's a it's a whole culture in and of itself. It's gate gatekeepers there or they protect mm. their whole thing. Mm. Um, but I think that that's where I would say the biggest area of improvement could be is and not getting the people there, not getting women there, but making sure that the way that they're being educated, the way they're being treated is representative of, of equality and inclusion. Um, and then I mean, and then I think that things will, you know, continue to trend in a better direction. We got to figure out how to get more people of color into professional schools. Mm -hmm. um, and okay. that's, mm -hmm. you know, we got to we gotta figure that out from the admissions process. We got to figure that out from the recruitment process. You know, these things start so early. I had a group of young men that was here uh, last fall. And you know, high school, middle school, and one of the parents asked me, you know, how how early that they should start, mm -hmm. you know, navigating their kid. And while I was like, you know, you should always definitely let your kid be a kid, but they should also be aware that it the the role that gets assigned to them happens early. You know, sixth grade, fifth grade, fourth grade. Once the teachers, administrators of the schools are like, that kid's a problem, that kid's a problem. Right. They don't got a chance, you know? Or that kid is gifted, or that kid is not gifted. Yeah. So you gotta like be very mindful of that um, early on, but that's, you know, starting to make, make sure you instill in people, oh, you gotta study, you gotta make good grades. It's not, you can't make good grades you know, I can't count the number of people who are struggling in high school and tell me they want to be a, a dentist. Right. Right? Like, you're going to have some difficulties getting into college. Right? You haven't really mapped out with a long-term idea of, like, where this goes. Things only get harder. They only get harder. So you got to instill study habits early, grades early. Because people, once they identify you in school, guidance counselors and things like that, those are the people they start to take seriously. But, you know, especially as a black man and a black kid, to try and come to your guidance counselor in 11th grade and tell them that you want to make, you know, be a professional, like, they've already written you off. Yeah, they'll, they'll laugh at you. Laugh at you. The only thing that my guys leave, I mean, those last words, you know, for people that question go to the death is more often. Oh, you're a dentist. I mean, the dentist, yes. The dentist, but why you. should they go? 
Is he come to you? Why should he come to you? Why should people come to aesthetic dentistry in Manhattan? I think people should Especially come. if they don't live in Manhattan. Especially if they don't live in Manhattan. So, um, I have made it my mission to build a practice that is about some, some very important core values to me. Uh, empathy. We try to make sure that we can put ourselves in your shoes and relate to you as a human being. We have embraced an idea of passion, dedication to being excellent at what we do. We are invested here, um, and we have embraced a core value of integrity. We're standing up for the things that we say. Uh, we're making hard decisions, even though they're not the easy decisions, and making sure that we treat people well. Um, I have invested in an ability of training so that we're able to provide the highest level of service of any kind of dental need that you have. So you don't have to worry that if you come in here, am I able to solve your problem? The answer to that question is yes. And I solve it well. And I can treat you with respect and you feel good about the fact that you came here. So I think people would be willing to travel for that. Um, and we'll be happy to have them and make sure that we, we treat them like family when they're here. Um, and that they feel like they have a home. And that's what we want. We don't want, we're, we're trying to build the opposite. We're not trying to build, we have built the opposite of what you mentioned earlier, of treating people like numbers, people like cogs in a wheel or in the system. Everybody here is treated like a human being with respect and like you deserve the best quality dentistry that's available to you, regardless of where you come from. So if that's the type of place that you're looking to be, this is your home. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your time, Alex. My pleasure. Appreciate Thank you that. very much. What's so anybody where they can find you at? Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Static Dentistry Manhattan. We're at 133 East 58th Street. That's uh, 58th Street and Lexington Avenue. You can find us on the internet www.aestheticdentistryofmanhattan.com. Our Instagram is Aesthetic Dentistry Manhattan. Check us out. We look forward to seeing you. Appreciate you. Yes, sir. Shout out to my cousin Jay right here. Hey, it's your boy Sandeezy. You know what we're doing? Signing off. Cool. It's one life, one love, so there can only be one king.